Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. CNN just got this huge data dump, over 2,300 text messages to and from Mark Meadows. And one of them that is really popping a lot of eyeballs is from uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, sometimes referred to as Marjorie Trader Greene, for this reason. She's pitching to Mark Meadows, the chief of staff to Donald Trump. She's asking Mark Meadows to go whisper in Trump's ear to say, hey, have you thought about martial law? Now, just think about that for a minute. Martial law means the end of democracy. We had martial law briefly during the Civil War, and that's it. Martial law is like the ultimate shutdown of all democratic systems. With martial law, Congress is suspended. The president becomes basically a dictator. The Constitution, large parts of the Constitution are suspended. She texted to Mark Meadows on January 17th. Now, keep in mind, this is... 11 days after January 6th. This is 11 days after the insurrection. The insurrection failed. They're still trying to keep... Joe Biden is going to be installed as president in three days on January 20th. It's three days before the inauguration. The Trump administration has refused to go along with any of the normal transitions. They're not allowing the incoming Biden administration. They're not allowing their people into the Pentagon to see what the Pentagon's up to. They're not allowing them into the State Department. They're not allowing them into the Treasury Department. They're not allowing them into the Department of Justice. They're, you know, when Trump fired the morning that he left the White House, he fired the guy who was supposed to open the door for Joe Biden when Joe Biden came. The valet, I think, was his title. So here we are, three days before this, this transition, this January 20th, 20th swearing, and three days before Marjorie Taylor Greene tweets to, to, or text messages to Mark Meadows, quote, in our private chat with only members, members is capitalized, in other words, these are all Republican members of Congress that she was having a private chat with. Several are saying the only way to save our republic is for Trump to call for martial law. I don't know on those things, I just wanted you to tell him they stole this election. We all know they will destroy our country next. Please tell him to declassify as much as possible so we can go after Biden and anyone else. Amazing. And our geeky science for the day 
This is a, a remarkable kind of story summarizing studies that was published by Amelia Nirenberg in the New York Times. It's titled, Can Certain Foods Really Stave Off Dementia? And she boils it down that there are basically four pillars of brain-boosting diet. Two diets in particular, the Mediterranean diet and the MIND diet. These are diets that have uh, fresh produce, legumes, nuts, fish, whole grains, and olive oil. Um, one study looked at 5,900 older U.S. adults who either adhered to the Mediterranean diet or the MIND diet, M-I-N-D. They had 30 to 35 percent lower risk of cognitive impairment than those who thought that they were eating right and eating well. We're not comparing this with junk food diets. This is, or the standard American diet. This is who actually thought they were on the Mediterranean diet, just weren't doing a good job of it. Uh, number two, leafy greens. Leafy greens are packed with nutrients and fibers, which slow age-related cognitive decline. In a randomized control trial published this year, more than 200 people have been split into three groups after 18 months. A green Mediterranean diet. Now, this is where the Mediterranean diet, you know, lots of olive oil once or twice a week, up to three times a week. Basically, a vegan diet beyond that. After 18 months on this, with a green version of this, which has uh, extra greens, green tea, and walnuts, they had the slowest rate of age-related brain atrophy. The traditional Mediterranean diet was close behind. Those who followed regular healthy diet guidelines had the greatest decline in brain volume. Colorful fruits and vegetables. The more colorful the produce on your plate, the better the food usually is for your brain, said several experts. This was a study over a 20-year period of 77,000 people. And they found that those people whose diets were high in flavonoids, and these natural substances found in colorful fruits, colorful vegetables, chocolate, were less likely than those who consume fewer flavonoids to report signs of brain aging, of cognitive aging. The MIND diet specifically includes lots of berries, daily berries. And one study published in 2012 looked at more than 16,000 people aged 70 and older for more than a dozen years. And it concluded that older women who ate more blueberries and strawberries had delayed rates of cognitive decline up to, perhaps up to two and a half years of delayed cognitive decline. And then fish. Fatty fish are good sources of omega-3 fatty acids. One specific omega-3 fatty acid, DHA, is only found in cold water fatty fishes like salmon. It is also the most prevalent fat that your brain is made up of. Your brain is mostly fat, at least the mass of the matter of your uh, brain. And she notes, our bodies cannot make DHA on its own. We have to provide it from diet. They're recommending two to three servings a week. Interestingly, they looked at fish oil supplements and found no difference. And then nuts and seeds have been repeatedly linked to slower cognitive decline. A 2021 review of 22 studies involving 44,000 people, and this was on walnuts, found slower to cognitive decline with nuts. Another study published in 2014 looked at 16,000 women ages 70 and up. Five servings of nuts a week had better cognitive scores than those who didn't. So you want a snack food, get yourself some walnuts. Three servings of legumes a week also produced higher cognitive performance. Time for lentils and chickpeas. And olive oil. This was a 2022 study. This was just completed this year. 92,000 U.S. adults. And what they found was that the, the, the adults with the highest intakes of olive oil were associated with a 29% lower risk of dying from neurodegenerative disease and an 8 to 34% lower risk of mortality overall, of dying from all causes. Amazing stuff.
Amazing stuff. This was in the New York Times. I wanted to talk about this piece that uh, Ivo Dodler wrote for TheAtlantic.com. It's titled, Let Ukraine In. And uh, Ivo asked the question, what happens to Ukraine once the fighting slows or the war stops? And says that, you know, to be really truly free and independent and secure, Ukraine is going to not only have to be a member of the European Union, but also of NATO. And, you know, Putin invaded on February 24th. And ever since then, a whole bunch of European nations are going, huh? And in fact, the other news story that I was going to share with you, I'll do it right now, uh, that is being reported in the New York Times, is that Sweden and Finland, the two Scandinavian holdouts with regard to NATO, have both agreed now that they're going to submit their applications for NATO membership at the same time. So strength in numbers. It's getting interesting. But he is, he is proposing that, uh, the, you know, European, first of all, the, the EU has already basically said, we'll speed things up for you. Uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, went to Kiev back in April, uh, April or, you know, this month, April 8th, back on April 8th, uh, to assure Zelensky that they would uh, process his application in a matter of weeks. Well, it's been two weeks, so probably... Ukraine is going to join the European Union. Well, we'll see. I, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's. Uh, I believe that they have to have uh, 100% vote in the European Union to become a member of the European Union, just like NATO, um, just like the United Nations. But I could be wrong. We'll see how it takes, how long it takes. But there's also this question of should they be allowed to join NATO now? Now, no nation at war with a non-native NATO country has ever joined NATO during that war. And so the question is, you know, how's, how is this going to play out? What's going to happen? And, oh, and yeah, it does say here in the article, it requires unanimous agreement of NATO's 30 member states and the ratification of NATO's governing treaty. So back in 2008, Ukraine tried to get into NATO, and, and Germany and France blocked them, which is interesting. Um, and they blocked them specifically. They came right out and said they didn't want to provoke Russia. Germany, of course, at that time was negotiating to buy massive amounts of fossil fuels from Russia. Gerhard Schroeder, who was the, the head of Germany, I don't think he was in 2008. I think he was a little earlier than that. I think he was through the 90s. But he's now being paid a million dollars a year, excuse me, he's being paid a million dollars a year by Russia, by the Russian Federation, as, as uh, you know, a member of the board or something like that of one of the big Russian oil companies. He's become a pariah, by the way, inside Germany, but he's still taking his million dollars a year. And no doubt, he notes in this, uh, Ivo Dadler uh, notes in this piece in in the Atlantic, no doubt Putin would threaten military and political consequences. But what is he going to do? I mean, he's already invaded the country, Ukraine. He's already, you know, murdered tens of thousands of civilians. He's already, his troops have already raped thousands of women and children. Um, he, I, what more can, they're, they're bombing apartment buildings. What more can they do? Uh, I, you know, I guess they could do more of the same. But I, I am increasingly thinking that NATO 
needs to be having a conversation about this. I realize that Anthony Blinken and Lloyd, um, our, our defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, going off to Ukraine is almost certainly being viewed as a provocation by Russia. Lloyd Austin saying that our goal is to weaken Russia definitely will be seen as a provocation by Russia. Are we to the point where we just don't care? Where we're willing to take the chance? Where we're willing basically to pull, to call Russia's bluff? I don't, I don't, I'm not here to offer you any easy answers on any of this stuff. These are the issues that are being struggled with at the State Department and the Pentagon right now in the European Union and in NATO, in the halls of NATO. And by all of the uh, 30 NATO members, all of these nations, they're all struggling with this. What do we do with it? So let me just toss that out for you. I'm, you know, my opinion is that, broadly speaking, we should not allow ourselves to be intimidated by, by uh, Russia's attacks on, on Ukraine or their threats. I think you do what's right. But I realize a lot of people are really afraid, oh my God, this is going to start a nuclear war. And that's a real legitimate fear. I still remember duck and cover. So what do we do? Number one. Uh, number two, I don't know if you caught over the weekend, uh, a couple of other things here that I wanted to share with you. I don't know if you caught over the weekend the, uh, the Alexei Navalny special on CNN. It ran two hours. And I'm sure they're going to repeat it. This is, uh, this, they, they did this with HBO, so it probably lives over on HBO. I haven't looked. Uh, but, you know, we recorded it yesterday, and I, I mean, but we couldn't, thinking, you know, we'll watch a little bit of this and then come back to it, because I thought I knew the Navalny story. And then in the second hour, when they get into this whole thing where he and this, this guy in, like, Belgium, I think it was, it was just like a, 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 a numbers freak. I mean, just, I, and I mean that in the positive way. You know, he's, he's, he, he describes himself as kind of an Aspie. Uh, very into, he figures out who, who the assassination team was. And there's this team of 20 people that Putin is paying with three professional assassins and 17 people as their support network who followed Navalny around for years from the time he first declared his candidacy to run against Putin and ultimately tried to murder him. And they get one of these guys on the phone, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop right there. If you know, because if you haven't seen it, you need to watch this thing. It's amazing. So I just wanted to toss that out, and and also the Macron victory. Macron is sort of the you know he's not literally the last neoliberal standing in Europe, but he's the last guy who, um, when he came to power five years ago. He was still running as fast as he could down that, down that neoliberal path. Tax cuts for the rich. In fact, they call him the, the president of the rich. This is, this is why, in, you keep hearing this phrase in France, that people are saying, well, it's a choice between cholera or the plague, right? Um, and Macron being the cholera. He did the tax cuts for the rich. He's, 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 uh, you know, he's doubling down on a whole series of neoliberal policies uh, he cut back on social welfare programs. He cut back on education funding. He cut back. I mean, there's a there's a whole long list of things that that Macron did that were just like right out of. Excuse me, I don't know why I have the hiccups today. That were right out of the the the, the neoliberal playbook, and 
I'm wondering how this is going to change France. Because I think he got a hell of a scare with Marine Le Pen, even though she only got a little over 40% of the vote. I think that he got a hell of a scare. And in the last six months, he has been changing his tune. He's been talking about, okay, we will raise wages and we will support labor unions and we will, you know, and, and you know, basically abandoning neoliberalism. As Joe Biden did when he became president a year and a half ago, it appears to me that we are seeing the death of neoliberalism happening all around the world. And I see that as a good thing, as broadly a good thing. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. I want to comment on uh, Lloyd Austin saying that we should limit Russia's ability to militarily interdict in its neighbors. And I, I just want to say, and I think you know, this is complicated. This is not as easy as it sounds, right? General Hurtling was explaining the difference between defeat and destruction yeah, of the I heard military. It. I heard right? it, but, but that's all wordsmithing. The fact of the matter is Putin is going to hear this as a declaration of war against Russia. You're, we're going to weaken Russia. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it was an uh, I think it was a, an incautious choice of words. I'm not criticizing him for it. Um, I just think that within 24 hours, you're going to see him walk it back. But look, Tom, right, this is more than just me talking. Right, it was saying a destroyed army you don't even maneuver against. They right. are not even a destroyed army. It's completely ineffective. They're not combatants. That's what Hitler thought about Russia in World War II. But it was geographic depth. All right, this is the 21st century. Russia has already, the Kremlin's already demonstrated they understand that the depth is, is different now. Look, we narrowly, we, we almost had disaster when um, in the in the French election. Okay, Le Pen would have been a big ally to the Kremlin. We can't allow Trump certainly and DeSantis more than likely are going to be are going to change the geometry. Of all oh, of I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Dave, and it's the biggest it's the biggest threat to democracy all around the world that uh, of my lifetime, frankly. Okay, coming up, should Ukraine be rolled into NATO now to stop the war? What about Navalny and Macron and canceling student debt to save democracy? Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bill in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Bill, what's up? I wanted to pick up on your earlier call last Tuesday and your response regarding why Ukraine, after 214, wanted to join NATO after Russia's incursion into 
Dom, the Donbass and Crimea. Right. Uh, anyway, my take is that from what I've read earlier, Russia was provoked back then by a CIA M16, I believe they called that, assisted overthrow of Ukraine's then current elected leader, uh, Viktor Yankovic. I think I pronounced it right. They called it yeah. the. Yeah, and they they called it the Maiden Revolution. And one of the reasons for this effort was that uh, uh, Yankovic rejected a proposed Ukrainian-European Association Agreement, and I believe he was also considering being more of a part of an Eastern Bloc trading group. So in protest, the CIA helped provoke. Ukrainian street rioting. I know that that's that's what you're you're describing, Bill, is is the Russian position on this. And, you know, it's widely considered to be propaganda. Uh, The Maiden Revolution uh, in Maiden Square in Kiev was was uh, broadly seen, at least by most Ukrainians, as a revolt against corruption, against a political process that had been corrupted by Viktor Yanukovych. And you know who ran Viktor Yanukovych's campaign? Paul Manafort. Yeah. Paul Manafort. It was a campaign yeah. based on, cam- on on vote theft, election suppression. I mean, it was just, it, it, you know, and, and the people knew it. And when, you know, the majority yeah. of the people know that the government that they have is corrupt, they they tend to not, not go along with it anymore. And that's what happened in Ukraine. So, you know, yeah, I get it. The Russians are saying the CIA was behind it. No, not so much. Johnny, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? Putin first attacked, I started to wonder if he was doing it to make Biden look weak and help Trump in 2024. This is going to sound pretty crazy, but now I'm wondering if he did it because Trump even asked him to. (laughs) Your thoughts? I don't think that Trump has the intellectual bandwidth to operate at that level of Machiavellianism. And and I don't think Putin is paying much attention to him because he knows that Trump is a washed up has-been and a bizarre human being. But I do think that when Putin took Crimea during the Obama administration, and Obama's response was some fairly you know, weak T economic sanctions, that Putin thought, huh, America will just let me get away with stuff. And I think that that probably informed his decision, in part. Okay. Yeah, thanks, okay. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Take th- care. Thanks a lot for the call. Paul in Big Sandy Marsh, Mush Creek, M-U-S-H Creek? Yeah. Right, absolutely. Big Sandy Mush Creek in uh, the mountains of uh, western North Carolina. Great kudos to all of your staff who work behind the scenes for not a lot of credit, but they deserve a lot of credit, (laughs) as you know well. And so uh, I wanted to uh, say about the... um, I was blown away, as you were, with the Navalny uh, CNN program last evening, mm. and uh, just the granular uh, uh, level of it was, was pretty breathtaking to me, uh, how, what's going on. And so with your discussion today about what do we do with Ukraine and, uh, you know, should we let them into the European Union, uh, should we let them into NATO, um, I think um, Putin uh, only responds to uh, strength because that's his modus operandi. Right. He wants to project strength. And so on the same part now, the, the, the U.S. and NATO and the European Union, we need to project strength. And uh, uh, some, one of your callers um, previously said uh, Putin is, is, is uh, not, not the brightest guy in the world, but he, uh, he doesn't want to eat food from a can in a bunker. And I thought that kind of characterized it, you know. That Maybe. That here's, here's, my call, here's my concern, Paul. You've got a number of physicians who are saying that it's an open secret that Putin's dying of cancer. 
Um, his face oh has gotten goodness. really, really puffy in the last few months. Um, oh he's, been, he's been uh, this, uh, uh, doc, this one physician who is a specialist in advanced thyroid cancers has been following him wherever he goes for the last few months. Um, oh. And my concern, and you know, none of this is verified, but it's, but it's, there's a lot of chatter about this that is already bleeding into you know, mainstream publications like the New York Times. Yeah. And if he thinks he's dying, or if he actually is yeah. dying, he could be enough of a psychopath that he'd be willing to take the rest of the world with him. Yeah, now that's new information to me, and so that really changes the game. But in terms of letting uh, or inviting uh, Ukraine into the European Union, I say full speed ahead, uh, yeah. because that's going to give us more bargaining power with Putin and Russia. So maybe we need to take the, you know, going into NATO off the table, but definitely the strength option of uh, getting Ukraine into the European Union. And I think that uh, hopefully, you know, Putin would respect that um, show of strength on, uh, on our part and uh, be willing to, to back down because he's, you know, he's been defeated really in Ukraine. Yeah. And so there's no sense... Uh, him pushing forward with this agenda, and it's just going to make it worse for uh, future generations of Russians. Actually, in the West and South, he he force. has not he has not been defeated. He has taken considerable territory in the West and South, and yeah, in uh, territory. But in terms of of the the loss of morale of the soldiers abandoning their vehicles and and all of that, uh, I think that uh, that. You know, maybe I'm I'm looking at it too realistically, uh, but uh, he has suffered uh, losses in that regard. He has that his 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 troops have not proven to be the uh, the, uh, the 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 soldiers uh, that they. Oh, he thought have Ukraine been. was just going to roll over. I mean, right, you know, exactly. he, this is why his intelligence director is now in prison. Paul, I got to run, but thank you for the call. I I I think European Union membership immediately. Yes. And by the way, that does give some security agreements and it allows European countries to ship weaponry into Ukraine rapidly. NATO, let's think about it. Bruce in Santa Paula. Santa Paula, California? I've never heard of that. Really concerned. NATO was the reason that Russia did what it did. Putin himself says NATO was not the reason that he invaded Ukraine. He invaded Ukraine because it's not a real country, because it's it's part of Russia, because uh, he wants their their oil and their gas and their natural resources and their and, you know I mean it's a country the size of Texas with land as fertile as Indiana. It's just breathtaking the wealth the potential wealth that that country has. I understand. I have a a map that shows NATO expansion since 1989, and the entire uh, western border of uh, Russia is populated by NATO, uh, the, uh, the uh, Baltic states. Um, you, you realize that NATO only, is a defensive alliance. Well, it's only defensive. Uh, I, I mean, if you were in Russia, I think you could see it as an offensive why? Alliance too. NATO, NATO has never way. has never seized land. Never NATO has never attacked a country that didn't attack somebody first. In fact, to the best of my knowledge, NATO hasn't. Well, yeah, they were in, they were involved in the uh, in the uh, Yugoslav wars, you know. In the, in, but uh, I, you know, I, 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 I a I reject the premise that 
that uh, Putin did this in response to NATO. I realize that's the talking point that the Russian media has been promoting now since Putin started failing in his war. But if you just listen to Putin's two-hour speech from two months ago when he said why he was declaring the war, he, d he doesn't mention NATO. I did. He, he never mentions NATO. He goes into this whole long rant about how, you know, these people, they have no right to a country. They're not a real country. We, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, you know, it's... But that's it's, for domestic, domestic consumption. Yeah, Bruce, I mean, you, you know, know promoting, I mean, I mean, promoting Russian propaganda on American talk radio is just, I, frankly, I think kind of a waste of time. I, I, I really think that, um, you know, I, you know I'm, 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 a, I'm frankly... I'm going to stop it. <laughs> I just, you know, this is what we're what we're watching here is a man who does not believe in anything remotely resembling democracy. And Bruce, I would strongly suggest that you watch this Navalny special on CNN if you want to know what you're dealing with. And if you think that that kind of government is as good as or better than what NATO is protecting in the European Union, give me a call back. But watch the Navalny special on HBO and CNN. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bill in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, Bill, what's on your mind? First off, Russia's goal was never to take over the entire country of Ukraine, and it blows my mind when I hear all these retired and paid-for generals throughout the lamestream media apply that that was their ultimate goal. Well, I think for a what short Russia, time there, Putin thought he could pull it off. Didn't yeah. quite work out that way. Well, what Russia's been saying, what I've been reading that they've been saying, is that they want to destroy Ukraine's military infrastructure and weaken their country as a whole with the goal of ensuring they never, in, uh, never join NATO. And God knows what military assets they destroyed in the Kiev area. Also, they want to take over the Donbass region 
which looks like they are on the throes of doing. And they also, lastly, they also want a land bridge from Russia to Crimea, which looks like now they have already done. My God is telling me that this conflict might end quicker than people think. That's just me. What do you think? I think that there's a, uh, a very real possibility. I mean, the British foreign minister, I believe it was, or maybe the defense minister, came out this morning and said that there's a, a very real chance that Russia could prevail uh, in this war if you call the war Russia's attempt to seize the west, excuse me, the east and the south, with you know the Donbas and the, and the south along the sea there. And uh, you know he he may well be right. The question then is, can Russian hang can Russia hang on to those areas? Or are they going to have an insurgency? You know, is it going to be like the United States in Afghanistan for 20 years or Russia in Afghanistan for 20 years? And my guess is that they're going to have, unless they do like they did in Mariupol, where they literally just flatten the town, kill everybody, and then slowly rebuild it and repopulate it with Russians from from Russia. Um, I, I, you know, which might be their plan. I mean, this this might be what Putin's up to. It's certainly consistent with his behavior. But it seems to me like that's the only way over the long term that they'll be able to pull this thing off. But they did, you know, I mean, you know, when they took Crimea in 2014, I think part of the problem was the rest of the world was like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, Obama slapped some sanctions on them that were largely meaningless and and gave a couple of speeches, but nobody really did anything. So Putin thinks he can continue with this. Whether he's going to be able to pull it off or not, I honestly don't know. I'm not a, a military scholar, Bill. All right. Well, I just like I, when I look at all this, and I think of May 9th, They talk about May 9th in Russia. Yeah, that's the July a big 4th, day, and they right? might have all this done by then. I don't know. That's that's his Maybe goal. I'm wrong. That's his goal, and that's and that's why I yeah. think you know a week ago Putin was still talking about how uh, uh, Ukraine is not a real country that it was created by the Soviet Union that we need to reclaim it. It's all part of Russia. You know, quack, 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 quack. It has nothing to do with NATO. We just wanted to get our land back. Now, over the last four or five days, he's been talking about, well, all along, all we really wanted to do was recover Donbass and take the south. And we're going to do that now. Um, I think that that probably May 9th has a lot to do with that, Bill. And if he can nail all this stuff down by May 9th, he's going to have a great victory parade. But then I think he's going to continue trying to take the rest of Ukraine because, you know, he's got this general who just came out and said, yeah, and after Ukraine, we're going after Moldova. So, you know, they are not, they are not right. yet done. Yeah. Bill, thank yeah. you. Tim in Matawan, Michigan. Hey, Tim, what's on your mind today? I would like to uh, say that when we allocate money to go to Ukraine, it actually goes to defense contractors, and they make a healthy profit on, on the equipment that they send over there. That's I think true. that they should put some skin in the game and give us a deal. And I'll bet you the price went up. Yeah, I, I'm guessing everything you're saying is true, Tim. Uh, what what do you suggest we do about it? I just want to bring that up. I think if people knew about it, they might. Uh, Biden might decide to uh, ask for a better deal, but quickly. I don't want it to hold things up. I think this kind of falls into the category of you know, uh, we're stuck with it. I mean, you know, that this is the way things are. This is, uh, this is what Dwight Eisenhower, if you can turn on the 360, Sean, uh, or excuse me, on my computer, I, I, if I can play audio out of my computer. Uh, this is what Dwight Eisenhower had to say about this in uh, December of 1961, or 1960, excuse me. We have been compelled to... Oh, here, here, hang on just a second. Let me back up a little bit. 
But we can no longer risk the emergency improvisation of national... Oh, in fact, back it up even a little more. American makers of plowshare. Yeah, here's, here's the beginning. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. It's amazing to think about, isn't it? American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk the emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. And then he warns We us. annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. And then he goes into the whole thing about, you know, we can't, we, we have to keep an eye on this, this uh, industrial complex, the military industrial complex. And he was absolutely right, and it's what you're talking about. But I, you know, it, during a time of war, you know, when we're trying to get now, now FDR came out and said, you know, I don't want to see one new war millionaire um, happen. I, I suppose that that would be a possibility. Is that what you're talking about? I think uh, that they should at least be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, it would be it would be good. It would be a good time to to audit some of these uh, things and to have a, and to have a conversation about how the military industrial complex is treating America. I'm with you, Tim. Thanks a lot Great for show. the call. Yeah, thank you, Rick in Huntington Beach, California. Hey, Rick, what's up? Do you think QAnon may be Russia or Russian promoted? It's something that's been running through my head. Yeah, I did. I did mention this earlier, so it's fine that you call and talk about it, Rick. And yes, I I think so. I I don't think it was started by Russia. I think it was started by this guy in in the Philippines, um, you know, who was on the on the four chan, I guess, or eight chan, whichever it was, message board, and he was just you know trying to trying to be goofy or slick or smart or whatever, and he got a following. But once it turned into a thing that could disrupt American society, then yeah, I, I absolutely believe the Russian trolls are all over it. Yeah. Okay. I was just kind of wondering that. I hadn't heard anything. I'm sorry I missed that, but I was just thinking that to myself. But that I was kind of hoping it would just go away, like a lot of the other these things yeah. are out on the fringes. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. Wondering. Good luck with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Rick. Thanks a lot for the call. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark. What's up? Yeah, Tom. You know, I was in the kitchen doing dishes, listening to your show when your caller called in about we got to choose democracy. When this midterm strategy hit me and it's real simple and anybody that's any state can run it because i'm sure you got a republican senator or congressman that voted horribly in every state in america so first you list how they voted and how you voted quickly because you, you got to put the facts out there but you got to end it with emotion and this could even be a bumper sticker democracy choose it or lose it i like that, that. simple i like that um yeah. Have you have you made? Are you, this is just an idea for a bumper sticker. 
Well, I, I mean, it just came to me 20 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's simple and it's got emotion. Yeah, it does. It's I'm concerned, Mike, and maybe maybe this concern is misplaced that it would be largely meaningful to people, um, you know, to Democrats basically, and uh, because yeah, but I you think, might get a lot of the independents. Well, yeah, there's been a, there's been a campaign in the United States since the '50s. I mean, it was Joe McCarthy who came out and said, "Don't refer to America as a democracy; call it a republic." because republic sounds more like republican and democracy sounds more like democrat and you don't want to use language that sounds you know nice about democrats and and the republican party this has become like an article of faith on right-wing talk radio we're not a democracy we're a republic um and so i'm guessing that you will get a partisan response to it but i still like it Cheryl in Studio City. Hey, Cheryl, what's on your mind today? Glad to hear that I'm eating pretty well, according to what you just said. So that's good. First of all, I wanted to reply to something that you were talking about, you know, about uh, breaking up these bills and making um, comrade, senator, whoever responsible for how they vote. That's a great idea. But again, I hate to bring up the messaging thing with Democrats, but... What's the, what is preventing them from saying, listen, we passed all this stuff, Democrats did this, and then the Republicans took it away. If you want to continue to have stuff that helps you take it away, by all means, vote for the Republicans. I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the Democrats could be messaging much more aggressively. We saw, I mean, look at this, this young woman in Michigan who is now, you know, Mallory is her first name, what's her last name? It's not quite McMartin, it's something like that. Uh, say that again? McMorrow. Thank you, Sean. Um, you know, Mallory McMorrow, she's, uh, you know, she just kicked some ass there on the floor of the, of the Senate, and suddenly she's like the biggest star in America. And I think all over the country, Democrats are going, huh? Uh, hopefully. Well, thank, thank God. But yeah. uh, now, now, just the other thing. This is a, I, I need you to talk me off a ledge. I've tried to call you a few times about this and couldn't get through. Um, I hear callers call and say, well, the, the Republicans would do that. It's going to cost them at the ballot box. And I've heard you say it, too, about voting. What are you talking about? If the fix is in on the state level and the federal government, the, the senators, refuse to pass voting rights. What are you talking about? I don't understand. How, the fix is already in, from my point of view. If you have enough of these states, anti-democratic states, that will just say, you know what, this is a blue ballot. We're tossing it out. We're only going to count the red ballot. Right. And they How can is do that, that not already done? Well, it is, by and large, in 19 states, or maybe 21 states. It's, it's, it changes every month or every week. So what um, is, but, see, this is, this but is if, the malaise. In well, here's the thing, Cheryl. Hang, hang on just a second. Let me answer your question. If the John Lewis Voting, Enhancement, Voting Rights Enhancement Act were passed, if that were passed now, it would render all those laws illegal. Right. And that's why right now there are conversations, they're doing this, you know, they did this big high profile thing about voting rights and build back better and it blew up in their faces because of Manchin and Cinema, and because every single Republican in the Senate voted against them, 100% of them. Republicans, right. you know, you know, hate democracy. Uh, I, I, I realize it's glib and inflammatory, but I don't know what else you can, you know, how else you can, you can conclude from that. But they're, the negotiations are going on right now in the, the back rooms, as it were. And they're trying to get Mansion and Cinema on board with some of these things, because um, and particularly voting what rights. is the chance that's going to happen with these two being corporately owned as they are? I think that the I think that Chuck Schumer is going to have to offer them something more than 
Charles Koch or Big Pharma have offered them. And How about a bloody nose? I think that would be a good idea. <laughs> With you, Cheryl. Thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. Actually, I'm not, I'm not in favor of giving anybody a physical bloody nose, but I think a political bloody nose would be a fine idea. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Martha in Norman, Oklahoma. Hey, Martha, what's on your mind today? What should Democrats be doing now, or should they be waiting, you know, for a few months because of the short memory of Americans and all that? And perhaps you're right about the uh, student loan thing waiting until September. What they need to be doing now is getting the message out. And what I'm talking about getting the message out is to the stop preaching to the choir, and you need to, to focus on the people who are not getting your message, you know, the the Fox News people, the... You know, you know the people who are not getting the, the quote-unquote radical left-wing uh, message, because right here in Oklahoma, we're getting slammed. I mean, literally slammed on the local TV stations with this, uh, with the former president backing people who keep talking about the radical left agenda, and they keep talking about these platitudes. So what our, ta- our side needs to do is to break this down and to have the, the, the piecemeal bills ready to go, saying... These Republican senators and these two Democratic senators kept you from getting the target senior community, kept you from getting hearing, kept you from getting vision, kept you from getting uh, uh, dental. Negotiated Medicare prices. Yeah, and then have those bills ready to go. Say, we have this bill ready to go, but these particular senators are keeping you from getting this. People, I live in a senior community, and the people, they have no idea. They hear Build Back Better, and it means nothing to them. They have no idea. Right. You know, all they know is that the, the Biden administration is not getting things done. They're mm-hmm. not getting things done. And, of course, they get blamed. Yeah. Yeah, we need uh, we need to work these things out, and and it needs to be worked out in a way that's acceptable to Mansion and Cinema. It pains me to say that, um, and it and it may be some good old fashioned LBJ horse horse trading. You know, you sign this bill, and I'll make sure you get a highway or a bridge in your state named after you. Um, but exactly, you know, yes, I, I, and that's that's and I think that's why the Biden administration appears on the surface. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but on the surface, it appears that they are weak because this, this type of thing is not getting done that we have seen right. presidents do in the past. Yeah, yeah, uh, LBJ most notably. Um, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Martha. Exactly. Thank you. You know, we didn't. Yeah, we don't agree with everything he did, obviously, but you know, he got he got stuff done. So you know, and we need stuff done right now. And if if the Democrats want people to show up, especially in a midterm, show up and vote, especially as hard as it is to vote now. you got to do stuff to make them want to show up for you. Your political consultants will tell you that there's two ways to get people to the polls. You either lure them or you scare them. In other words, you either do the things that they want so that they'll come in, or promise to do the things that they want so that they'll come in and uh, vote for you, or you point mm-hmm. out the perfidy of your opponents, the, the, you know, the, the, 
the terrible things that your opponents are planning on doing or have done and say, we've got to stop this. And I think that that was a large part of Joe Biden's seven million vote victory over Donald Trump. Just like in France, you saw people saying that they weren't voting for Macron, they were voting against Le Pen. Um, so but, that's that's but, a strategy but a, lot too. Of, but a lot of people did not uh, vote for either one of them because of that, you yeah. know, lesser well, two evils thing, you know, we, that we still face here. Yeah. We need ranked choice voting everywhere. I mean, that's, that seems to be the only option that- uh, I'm, I'm you with know. you on that, Martha. Martha, thank you. Yep. Thanks for the call. It's great to hear from you, and, and thanks for the report from Oklahoma. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. Brenda in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Hey, Brenda, what's on your mind today? I wanted to talk about the uh, Democrats need to get their message out more. Mm -hmm. The Democrats get their message out. It's just not covered. Yep. Point in being, you heard a great speech by Obama. Why wasn't it on on the news. I and agree. Then, and he's a former president just like Trump, and Trump sneezes, and it gets wall-to-wall -wall coverage for three days. Obama comes out and gives a speech in which he explicitly calls the Republicans essentially fascists, and it's crickets. Right. And the other way of doing it is when you have someone on the, in the government on like Spokane, or um, if I'm getting his name right, okay, this is what the, the news media does. Well, the Democrats just don't get their message out. And then the Democrats turn around and say, that's right, we have to do a better job. No. They start saying, and why aren't you putting it out? Right. Yeah, this is, this is like with the Sunday shows. I mean, for years and years and years. I've been complaining about this since, since I started this show back in 2003. If it's Sunday, it's meet the Republicans. You know, I mean, they say, oh, it's, if it's Sunday, it's meet the press. No, it's meet the Republicans. And when George right. W. Bush was, was president... The majority of the Sunday show guests were Republicans, and when Media Matters called them out on it, they said, oh, well, that's because the Republicans are in power and people want to hear from them. So then Obama becomes president, and the Democrats take the House and the Senate, and the majority of the Sunday show guests are still Republicans. And again, Media Matters goes to the big networks and says, how come you know, you're featuring Republicans again? And they go, oh, well, the Republicans are not in power, and so people want to hear from the opposition. They, you know, it, it, the, the bottom line is that the corporate interests are better served by the Republican Party, at least short term, than they are by the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is looking out for the little guy that's looking out for the average person, is looking out for people who want to be in unions. It's looking out for minorities and, 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 and people who are, you know, facing challenges in the society. The Republican Party is looking out for wealthy people, white people. And, and, and basically those in power, which includes the executives and the, and the multimillionaires that you see on television, on the television networks. So it shouldn't surprise any of us that when you've got a multimillionaire host in a, in a network with multimillionaire CEOs and billionaire owners, that you're going to have mostly Republican guests. And you're not going to hear the Democratic talking points this week. Well, the Democrats just have to start saying, and why aren't you putting that message out? Don't yeah. say another thing. Say, yes, we get our message out, so why aren't you covering it? They need to do the old Lee Atwater thing and work the refs. They need to start talking about the conservative media bias in the United States, and they need to start screaming about it. I'm with you. Brenda, thank you. That was brilliant. Karen in Winter Haven, Florida. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind today? Well, you know, Tom, I'm about 30 minutes from Disney World, mm -hmm. but there's a, um, there's a point here that, well, there's two points, that nobody is, is picking up on, no reporters, nothing. Reedy Creek District, which Disney controls, is largely conservation lands and so forth, mm -hmm. which uh, Disney has the uh, Nature Conservancy uh, doing the administration for. Mm -hmm. And 
they want, uh, you know, big developers would love to get their hands on that land. So Ron DeSantis is just trying to do a favor for his developer friends uh, with a land grab if he can do it. Oh, and um, Yeah, the other thing, too, is Disney is in the process of moving their headquarters from California to Orlando, and those are the high-paying jobs that Disney has. And it's going to be a big boon to the economy there in Orlando. And uh, so DeSantis could put the kibosh on all that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for to have high-paying jobs around Orlando is a, is a rarity. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you know, and so, um, and plus, listen to his language. He says, "Oh, well, we don't want this California corporation." To, you know, they they're down on California. They're down on you know Fauci. I mean, you know, anybody that makes any sense. So they're just uh, uh, you have to really kind of follow the money, dig deeper. They live on kickbacks. And they live on Russian money. That's what they're up to. The Republicans in Florida. Now, you live in Florida, Karen. You live in Winter Haven. What's your sense of the average Floridian? Are they buying DeSantis' stuff? Unfortunately, my area is pretty fascist. (laughs) Hmm. But I'm lucky enough to have been put into Democratic, a progressive Democratic representative's district, finally, Hmm. And that's the other thing, the maps that he drew. I'm afraid I might lose that great congressman and have to go with a fascist they elect out of Lakeland. Yeah. You know, but Orange County is blue and, and Osceola is blue, too, um, mostly. Right. Uh, so DeSantis is, so by, by doing, by changing the tax law, everybody is like, oh, DeSantis is shooting himself in the foot because local taxes are going to go up. Local taxes are only going to go up in the two blue counties in the middle of Florida. Right. Probably the only two blue counties in the middle of Florida. Right. And, you know, that Reedy Creek also is the headwaters of the Kissimmee River. Right. You know, you don't want to do anything to despoil those waters. Right. But they would love to build a development there or something. I get it. Karen, thank you. Pam in Chicago. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind today? Tom, I'm concerned about the the messaging. And every time you have Congressman Pocan, right? Mm Mm-hmm. People inevitably talk about messaging, and it just seems to me that what in the world is Biden's communication team doing? Uh, Because I know here in the black community, there are some real frustrations that Biden isn't fighting hard enough time regarding voter suppression, uh, oppression, and just out and out cheating um, to uh, collapse, you know, black representation. And we're feeling it out here, and I'm hearing it. So I don't know what his communication team is doing. However, um, I think he needs to do more media outreach to your show, independent media, and particularly black and Latino media. And he needs to start now. I don't know what campaign season is. As soon as he got in office time, it was campaign season. And we see how ruthless and vindictive these Republicans can be. And, you know, so, so the statement is where when they go low, we go high. But I caution elected officials with that, because when you tell the truth about the despicable behavior of Republicans, it sounds like you're going low, Tom, when all you're doing is telling the truth and exposing the lie. That's what Harry Truman said. You know, he said they, they say I'm giving them hell, but I just tell the truth and they think it's hell. 
And that's what it is. If we tell the truth, it just sounds like it's going yeah. low. But here, so at this, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, finish your thought. I'm no, sorry. I, I thought you were no, At this point, they need to reach out to black media, uh, other alternatives and media, and tell the truth and yeah. tell people exactly what you've done. And don't be afraid to criticize the Republicans on the truth. Biden can't see these people as his friends, Tom. At this point, I look at people who support the Republican Party and Trump. I look at them differently. And we don't have a Republican Party, a two-party system. We have the Democratic Party and some other parties, and we have a fascist, uh, for me, hate group. Yeah. And if we can't use fascists, we've got to tell the truth. But I don't know what his communication team is doing. I wish I was on it, Tom, because I'd have some serious recommendations. I wish you were too, Pam. I wish you were too. Let me me just put a punctuation mark on what you're saying, an an exclamation mark, in fact. Um, This this was uh, reported by Kerry Elveld. uh, over at dailycoes.com this morning, but it's you know it's it's uh, the result of a, a survey, a new a new poll that was just done by uh, the Progressive Course Consortium Navigator Research, their polling firm, and what they okay. found was that only three out of ten registered voters in America know that the U.S. gained jobs this uh, last year. Three wow. out of ten. Seventy percent of Americans. I mean, this. In fact, they. Seventeen percent of this is all registered voters. Seventeen percent said that we lost as many jobs as we gained. Twenty-four percent weren't sure. Twenty-nine percent, a third of all voters, said that last year the gov- the country lost jobs, and seventy percent of voters either got it wrong or didn't know. Um, Biden is fifteen points underwater in his handling of the economy, and this is the best economy we've we've had in my lifetime. I mean, you know, or, or since the 60s anyway, since the mid-60s. And I'm, I'm with you, Pam. They are not, you know, out there beating their drum. They're not waving their flags. They're not telling people what's going on. Donald Trump, even when the economy was going south, went out every day and said, oh, it's the best economy it's ever been. Now, you know, he was off in line, but he was at least, you know, or at least he was. He said it. Yeah, he was promoting himself. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but this, you know, it's nice to have politicians. You know, we we went through this also with President Obama, who are just kind of quietly doing good work in the background and and making things happen. And, yeah, a lot of people are like, yes, there's great dignity in that. And we have a lot of respect for that. But you we you know, this is the era of of. You know, the music man, this is this is the era of the, the need for somebody to get out there and, and beat their drum. It's it's P.T. Barnum time. And Trump and understood you've got to that. Be seen, uh, and you've got to be seen fighting for your base. Yes. I mean, you, that just has to be ever present. And lastly, Tom, I'm going to say uh, Howard Dean, I believe it was, right here to right. Where was the 50 state strategy? That should have been just in the heads of all Democratic elected officials yeah. and the party leaders. Well, and they ran we out of money is the problem. I mean, you know, but yeah, I'm I'm completely with you, Pam. The the okay. fifth- and lastly, and lastly, lastly, Tom, let me make this comment. Um, I'm I'm at the point where I'm almost having as much disdain and uh, for the wealthy people as they have for the poor. Because I'm here in Chicago, and I see what Amazon is building a new facility. Uh, you know, they're going to be fighting, you know, the workers for union jobs. But I'm also seeing how our wealthy people are running elections for mayor. We have that coming up. We have uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot in now. 
I love the way she handled the, the pandemic. She made some misstep, missteps, but she stood up to Trump and most of the corruption. Mm. I'm concerned that if we get other people in office, they won't fight for working class people. They won't stand up to Trump and Trump-like uh, individuals. And DeSantis, we know the corporate media is going to try to make his name a household word. Oh, they are. They, they already are. He, DeSantis is going to be the next Trump. I, I, I'm, I'm predicting that DeSantis is going to be the guy running for Republican presidential nomination in 2024. Pam, thank you. Yes, thank we, you. we have a lot of work to do and we need to get the word through to the Democratic Party. Start bragging about your successes and do it often. Do it daily. Do it in across multiple platforms. Get the damn word out there. This is the Tom Hartman program. Or I should say, get the good word out there. Damn it. Scott in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Scott, you got a minute. What's up? Hey, good. I got a quick palate cleanser for us all. I met a, a gal here in Portland who grew up in Burlington, Vermont. And I said, oh, was Bernie your marriage? She goes, yeah, in fact, I had a funny story. Her mother was uh, handicapped, and this was in the mid-'80s. Um, and so she complained because she had a hard time getting around town. And so Bernie, uh, the, his office said, well, we'll, we'll meet you and uh, time and place. And so they were waiting there and uh, pulls his white panel van, and Bernie hops out, introduces himself, and opens up the back of the van and pulls out a, a wheelchair. And he gets in the wheelchair, and he says, let's go explore Burlington. And he spent 90 minutes rolling around that town, struggling to get up over curbs. <laughs> That's the kind of guy Bernie is. Yeah, oh, man. That's a great story, Scott. Scott, thank you so much, and thanks for listening to X-Ray FM. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Hey, special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer Nance, Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick White, Gerilyn Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabbermocky, Jay LeBlanc, Al Gorilla Rhythm, uh, Connor Arroyo, and Carne Verde, all the folks who work on this show. Have a wonderful weekend. Relax, take some time for yourself, and we'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 